Hi, and welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Chris Alfalt, the editor of The Toolkit. Today, we have two Oscar nominees from La La Land, uh, director Damien Chazelle and editor Tom Cross. Um, and it's um, La La Land time. I assume at this point you guys have uh, possibly exhausted how much La La Land you have in your life. I mean, Damien, you've had to have Can you ever around. exhaust? <laughs> right. I, I've reached the exhaustion point. <laughs> no, no, I, I, well, one thing is uh, I've never actually, I think, done an interview or any kind of talk about the movie with Tom or just with Tom. So that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's the new little uh, uh, unfortunate wrinkle. Right. <laughs> this will be the last time, too. <laughs> it's already exhausted, I think. <laughs> we can shut off the recorder. That's, that's yeah, it's speeding up the exhaustion right, right. point. Um, yeah. You know, Damien, one thing about this film, and I, I said this to you in Savannah back in October, was that, you know, there's one thing about making a musical in the modern era that's a risk, but I, I think what one thing that people don't really focus on is with a musical, your margin of error is zero. Mm -hmm. You know, just compare it to like something like Whiplash, mm -hmm. a scene's not working, something's mm -hmm. not working, you guys can reinvent it a little bit mm -hmm. in the editing room. Mm -hmm. um, there's way, you know, there's, and, and also if, 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 this, if maybe you weren't getting a performance or something, to, there, there's ways of mm -hmm. moving a musical in which you do it, in which an emotional moment comes through the music in a major story beat, and that thing falls flat mm -hmm. or something is off pace. I mean, you're just, you just have so little margin of error. And I think that's something that probably only people that love and watch musicals and see like a bad Minnelli movie. Not that he made a bad one, but like mm -hmm. something that doesn't hit. And you had to have embraced that going in that like, not <coughs> only are you not making this in the old MGM system and where you have great collaborators, but compared to like yeah. every, you know, that whole team that could help yeah. you make a movie, that had to be something that you kind of embraced going in, right? Yeah, I, was, I think it was something we were all cognizant of. Um, I, I think, um, you kind of have to know that that doing a musical uh, has a high risk of, of uh, you know egg on your face at the end. Um, there's something kind of uh, there's something inherent you know about it, but but it's it's kind of what's it's kind of what's cool about it too. It's kind of what's amazing about the genre because I think what you're talking about is is what makes musicals. Uh, uh, what makes them have little margin of error is that they are they deal in extremities you know like musicals deal in high emotions you have to have emotions that are kind of high or heated enough to motivate uh, a rupture in the grammar of ordinary movies you know uh, you know someone breaking into song someone floating up into the sky someone kind of uh, changing the you know physics in a certain kind of way um, sometimes and uh, so there's a certain kind of larger-than-life-ness that comes with musicals that you kind of, you have to embrace. Um, but that's, you know, that larger-than-lifeness was very much a part of the fabric of old Hollywood. It's not anymore. So it's harder to get away with it. It's harder to justify it. It's harder to, to thread that needle. Um, yeah, but I think, I think the, 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 the sort of the solution, but also its own kind of challenge that we found here in this movie, I think, was trying to, trying to combine that kind of larger-than-life quality with very life-size elements, you know, mm -hmm. having the whole thing be very grounded. Um, ordinary people, um, it's, it's actually a very life-size story told in a larger-than-life way, you know. Mm -hmm. There's a simplicity to it and there's a, a groundedness to everything about the movie that kind of 
contrasts with the bigness of the musical numbers, and that was maybe part of the point or part of the part of the appeal to us. Because I think one other thing about it is that, um, you know, I think everybody's pointing back to these all these old Hollywood musicals, but to me, the model really almost is when they did it in Europe, right? Because because mm-hmm. in the sense that you're outside of that vacuum of when they were making musicals, and yeah. it's more about like kind of. In particular, the French. I know your demi was a big part of, um, yeah. But that idea of setting a Hollywood musical and being able to do those things, but in a, like a realistic city, yeah. Except instead of Paris, you're you're well using you Los Angeles. If right? you look at if you look at actually also how French cinema reacted to you know the movies of Demi. Um, you know, Demi was always bigger in France than he was in America, and so there's a whole tradition of musical filmmaking in France that continued way past it, it, its quote unquote expiration point mm-hmm. in in America. Um, so you have movies like uh, Rivette's Up, Down, Fragile. I don't know if that ever even got a release in the U.S. It was made in the 90s. That's a really brilliant musical. And it's like Rivette doing a musical. If you can kind of, it's what you would think that is. And, uh, and um, there's Christophe you know, Honoré doing his musicals, uh, doing several of them. There's movies like the movies of Leos Carax or Arnaud de Plechin that aren't musicals per se, but kind of indulge in the sort of, again, larger than lifeness of musicals. Mm-hmm. So. The French have been finding a way to kind of uh, blend uh, fantasy and realism in that way since Demi. Um, it's just something that you don't see of as much in America. You know, maybe Hollywood has, has become more literal. It's harder to make room for that kind of storytelling. Um, but again, I think that was part of what excited us about this movie. It was the opportunity to, to do something that you don't see in Hollywood anymore. I think that was part of, definitely part of the challenge um, was that you know, if, if we as Americans are seeing Jacques Demy uh, or seeing a film in another language, there's also a translation issue, which um, depending on, you know, how well the movie's working or what the specific translation is, it, it, it kind of, you can, you can engage emotionally, but it also adds a little bit of, uh, sometimes a little bit of distance, enough distance that um, you can accept certain abstractions, you can yeah. accept certain stylizations. So once you're making an American movie for an American audience, um, it kind of you kind of strip away that that, uh, for lack of a better word, that safety net, I guess. Yeah. Um, so well, it's it, actually it's fine. Like if, I mean, if you were actually to try to do the Umbrellas of Cherbourg in English, it wouldn't right. work. Right. Like right. you can't you can't actually translate that movie. Right. Um, literally, you right. know, uh, and it's. Uh, I guess that's why I'm so fascinated by French musicals versus American musicals because they are, they obviously answer each other, but mm-hmm. they are so, French musicals are so French and American yeah. musicals are so American. So even when there are these surface similarities that yeah. make them seem almost like cousins, they are so very much each a part of their own culture. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this had to be, it had to incorporate elements of the French musicals we loved. Yeah. It also had to incorporate elements of older American musicals we love. But it had to be a modern American movie mm-hmm. still right. at its core, or it just wouldn't work. And, and as what Damien was saying is, is it, it had to, and this is what we spent nearly a year doing in the editing room, it had to straddle um, a place where you had very naturalistic performances mm-hmm. um, and uh, very grounded with all these stylistic hallmarks of you know, the Hollywood Dream Factory. And you know, that was a big challenge, trying to get that calibration right you know we knew it was a very uh, narrow runway and so um, you know it was us in the editing room over and over and over again trying to stick that landing mm-hmm. and and really knowing that we had to do it otherwise there was a good chance that we were going to really just crash and burn uh, to a certain extent because one thing Tom, 
in watching um, this film, and it, it, this is really, I mean, all movies, of course, reward multiple viewings, but to see how this one was working, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that keeps getting better for me with each viewing. So I always love talking to the editor because you, of course, probably have seen this footage. <laughs> like, right. and, and one thing that is fascinating to me about what Damien's doing is that so much of it is almost this challenge of getting a rhythm and getting everything within one take. Right. Which, in some ways, you know, so you, you were able to see that, but then that also means that your ability to get in there and your tools right. to kind of help shape this thing yeah. become, become it's a completely, you know, it, it's funny, from a Damien standpoint, I could totally see Whiplash in, in yeah. La La Land, but for you, it's, I had to imagine it's a completely different exercise in the sense of, uh, of putting this together and the way that you had to approach putting it together. Harder harder, more challenging. Um, and, you know, we talk about the risk uh, that you have when you're doing a musical. I think that um, the extra risk on top of doing a musical was the way that Damien and his collaborators in production wanted to do it and chose to do it, um, which is um, in a very specific way, often with a lot of choreographed, extremely choreographed, long, unbroken camera takes. Um, that was a very um, risky thing and something that they committed to 110%. Um, when I got the dailies, I mean, I would hear bits and pieces from the script supervisor and certainly my conversation with Damien, well, we think we're gonna do this and you know, we wanna try doing, doing it this way. And I would get the dailies in and, and they would do it exactly that way because um, Damien and the crew did it the, w the way they kind of did it on Whiplash. They're very, very well prepared ahead of time, everything is planned out. Every, every place where the music hits, um, you know, uh, picture, that's all been sort of pre-planned. But, you know, what we find in the editing room is during this distillation process, once you commit performances by great actors like Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, once they're committed to film, you know, you have something else. Um, you often find that less is more instead of uh, a whole moment with dialogue, you may just do it with eyes. Mm -hmm. So basically, you find that you have to change. And so the challenge we had was, uh, one of the challenges was uh, taking something that was very meticulously planned mm -hmm. and reworking it, trying to rework it in a way um, that would have the same result, but, but differently. And um, Could you give an example of that? Um, yeah, an example uh, was the roommate's party. Um, early in the film. Are you um, talking about the, um, the, uh, the getting ready to go out scene? That getting, getting ready to go out and then transitioning to them actually at the party. Mm -hmm. um, basically you see all the roommates and uh, Mia jump into their Prius and they go out for a night in the town and what we have is a transitional uh, moment which is a very uh, kaleidoscopic uh, uh, graphic montage which is uh, you know inspired by old Hollywood montages. Uh, so you see uh, champagne overflowing, you see dancing feet, you see neon signs. And um, originally, that was always Damien's original intention was to have that, um, to show this that the night in the town is beginning. But originally we transitioned to these um, very beautiful uh, long unbroken takes which snake through the party. This camera takes us through the party and hands off from one person to the other. Um, until we wind up with uh, basically with Mia in the bathroom alone looking in the mirror and she's very dejected and so 
Um, what we found is that uh, we, we ultimately needed to do a couple things. We needed to shorten it. We wanted to shorten it, but we also found that we were losing Mia's character because the camera was handing off and spent a little time away from her. So, Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, the, the challenge we had was taking these beautiful, almost I am Cuba type shots mm -hmm. and finding a way to, to use them. Um, we couldn't just cut out those party scenes because the character of Mia at the beginning of the night on, out on the town is very different emotionally than the way she is in the bathroom. You need that emotional beat to get her where she is. You need that emotional beat. Yeah. So the question was, how do we do this? Because we've planned it so well a certain way. And uh, we, couldn't, we couldn't just jump cut it. It was very hard to just take. Mm -hmm. we, couldn't, we didn't really want to um, just take pieces of it. But because Damien had um, created this stylistic device of what we uh, called the champagne montage, we found that we could take the best emotional beats of the party and fold them into the champagne montage. Um, and that's something where um, uh, the style that, that Damien wanted for the movie actually paid off in that it, it helped us find a solution, an emotional solution. So, um, I mean, the other thing is this, this montage couldn't merely uh, be a graphic thing. It couldn't, uh, uh, it couldn't just be you know, pretty to look at. It actually had to function emotionally. So we found that we had to play um, Emma Stone's face a certain size in the frame uh, in order to register what she was going through. She's like being hit on by a guy. She's sitting on the couch. Did you actually have to punch in on the, on the negative? Um, I, you know, in some cases we, we did resize a little bit, but um, we found it worked best when her face was really front and center. And, uh, and then when you get to, you know, when you get to her in the bathroom, then you, it feels correct emotionally. But, uh, but that's an example of, of, you know, finding a solution to, um, to reworking some footage which was, which was really meticulously planned, rigidly planned, uh, in, in a different way, mm -hmm. you know? Well, because one thing about this is that you never play it safe and you kind of go for a lot of different styles. <laughs> you know, I mean, that amazing opening shot with the long take, but then, um, and then also having some grounding also being willing to do one, you know, d a bunch of different styles, montages, um, being willing to go with the, uh, the being swept up in the air. That's a very bold move for a movie that wants to be grounded, it, mm -hmm. have, have one foot in referencing the past, but also be very grounded in the modern world. And I mean, I, I commend you uh, tremendously for that, but talking about your guys' collaboration in post, the editing room can be very lonely and could be very like, is this working? In particular, when you've heard these songs so many times and that sense of, you know, are people going to buy this going in and out? And is that something in terms of how bold this is and how bold the strokes were? Was that something that came into play? And was there some changes? Was there some things that had to be eliminated? Were there things that you thought, you know, I, I've heard something about the opening almost having been cut. I don't know if that's true. Oh, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, I'm kidding. We, we did do that for about, f what, three months? I think, I think about the, three months. The, the yeah, movie at least didn't, a couple months. Didn't have the opening. So the first version of the movie Emma Stone saw, the first, mer first version of the movie we test screened publicly um, was uh, without that opening. I mean, it's one example of just kind of um, a little bit of what you're saying that, that we we had to do a lot of searching in the edit room with this movie, much more so than we did with Whiplash. Because Whiplash, you know, y you see it, it's a lot of cuts, 
um, which seems like that would take time. But ironically, it was a quicker process. Not not to you know not to undervalue Tom's uh, <laughs> incredible amount of work uh, uh, becomes, uh, on that film. That whiplash becomes like a noticeable editing where people see like like heavy like. Um, sharp cuts telling a story, and that doesn't necessarily mean that that's an easier way well, of, of going. Or, or, and, and right, or, or a harder way. Yeah, sure. exactly. And I think like the it's direction of Whiplash was much, it was, we, we had a, there was a, there was, it was simpler. You know, there was, there was a, a clear um, right, there's roadmap. No, there's no real question of tone in right, Whiplash, that's right. you know. Oh, for just one second. Oh, my God. I just, there it's we a go. party. No, we're all good, we're all good. Um, uh, there was no, uh, yeah, there's no real question of tone in Whiplash, you know, because it, it is what it is. Whereas La La Land is, again, trying to straddle two opposite tones yeah. and find a kind of happy medium in between them. So, um, so we, it was harder to kind of see the forest for the trees with La La Land. We had to do a lot of searching, a lot of experimenting, a lot of playing around with lifting certain sections mm -hmm. or yeah. reordering things or... or I don't think there's a musical number in the movie that we didn't try cutting at some point. Um, yeah, we even tried. Uh, we even tried cutting uh, audition. The audition number was out for a very brief, for one afternoon. I think it was an epiphany I had one day. That'll yeah. save the movie. We lose that number. That's right. We'll we won't. We just don't present it. We'll just stay just on Ryan Gosling it. waiting outside. Yeah. We don't know what and happens. Then, and then we'll yeah. and then we'll go to them on the yeah. bench. Um, yeah, that seemed brilliant for a moment. Um, yeah. But but all this stuff. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. But all this. All of these things were born out of. Problems, you know, they were born out of like facing problems of tone, of pacing, of structure, um, because it was, you know, be yeah, because because it, it is this unusual sort of thing where you, you're setting up a musical world, but you're you're trying to combine again two things that don't normally coexist, and you're also sort of alternating. You're also kind of changing as the movie goes on, changing what the balance is. The movie becomes more realistic as it goes on. It becomes less of a musical as it goes on. And that's, that's, uh, that was something where we actually didn't really have precedents that we mm -hmm. could look at and like look at this movie and go, ah, oh, well, you see how they did that it worked there, so we'll do that there, you know. Um, and we'd have people kind of asking us in the edit, like, you know, well, I mean, how, how can you have a 20-minute stretch in the back half of the movie with no musical number? Isn't this a musical? Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, whether rightly or wrongly, <laughs> we, we had to kind of... Uh, not just stick to our guns, but find a way to justify those those structural anomalies. I guess right. is what you'd call them. And so it f would feel emotionally correct, you know. I mean, that's the thing with Whiplash. I mean, we could always um, point to uh, needing to keep up a certain amount of brutality mm -hmm. and tension and suspense and velocity. Um, you know, we didn't really have that to uh, fall back on with La La Land. It was it was much more. Um, it was much more its own kind of animal, you know, that we had to, we, I think, I think we always had a good idea um, of what we wanted to do, but again, it was that fine-tuning calibration, you know, it was so, uh, like I said, a narrow runway, so it, it, if it veered just a, a couple degrees either way, it, it wouldn't feel right, you know, we wouldn't, it, moments wouldn't play right, and so, um, that was that was a big challenge. I mean, the, the other, I mean, oh, I was yeah, yeah go go. Ahead. Oh, and just I was just going to say. I mean, the other the other big challenge was was trying to um, trying to maintain um, certain key moments that were planned. I mean, we we talked about these unbroken takes, and um, those were some of the most romantic scenes and moments in the film. Well, um, 
uh, Damien always talked about this um, strategy of, of trying to accentuate those moments, those long moments, by um, having the style of the movie, the editing style, be different in other scenes. Mm -hmm. um, because I think the feeling was if you had this whole movie made up of unbroken takes and, and uh, long takes, they would lose their value. And so that was a big challenge was, okay, we have, we have a long uh, scene, it's a lovely night. Um, how, do you, how do we make it so the movie can hold that? Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, how do we make it so the movie can hold audition um, or, or, um, or the opening number traffic? You know? And the answer uh, was by you know, finding the right editorial style in other scenes that would match the emotion appropriately. Because I imagine with the, and we'll, we'll leave it here, I imagine with the, the, the long takes, that really is a little bit the magic that's in the musical numbers, right? And sure. that's where you, right, that, that was kind of the idea is to kind of elevate it with that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, th those are the things you want to build too. So you use right. angular cutting or more percussive cutting or, or sometimes just simply faster cutting to, to uh, to offset them, you know? And so it's, really, it's, it's almost like that, that one of the major musical problems is always that transition into the song, and even though you had it, Justin, you had it right in the story and the script, it becomes like a, a rhythm thing to also stylistically get up to, to like an unbroken... Yeah, because, because, the, because the musical numbers are also kind of like, uh, like uh, breaths, you know? It's like where the movie exhales, the, yeah. wor the world becomes wider. You know, so sometimes you want to build up a certain amount of claustrophobia, especially in that realistic section of the movie, quote unquote. You know, um, where we're going, where we're kind of, you know, at a dinner table with Ryan and Emma, and it's right. a very kind of staccato cutting pattern between just their eyes and then cl their faces, and then close-ups of their faces and the record needle, etc. You know, and right before that, um, we're even treating musical numbers in a very editorial way, like the John Legend-led uh, 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 song uh, uh, that you see in concert. Uh, which is done, I mean, there we were basically kind of returning to whiplash kind of style, you know, but very intentionally. It's a different kind of rhythm. Um, you can build up a certain kind of claustrophobia with that kind of stuff, and then the idea is you let that breathe. You suddenly just kind of, ah, you know, you kind of let it out with the long, unbroken takes. Um, and you have to earn it. You have to earn those moments, you know. Uh, you, I think when a movie does very long takes, um, you, the meter is really running. And you know, the more moments you have like that, um, the less effective I think in, in some ways they might be, um, depending on the movie. But y you pay for them, you know? You really have to pay for them. And so I think something we, um, well, I think what Damien always knew was that you know, we were gonna have to find a way to um, build to those moments emotionally and stylistically. And so like the example um, he gave was the, you know, the concert with John Legend, you know, that scene, if, if the romantic scenes were all about soft edges, you know, mm -hmm. the John Legend concert scene would have to have sharp edges, you know, it would have to have those cuts at right angles. Um, it would have to feel caffeinated and instead of these long shots, uh, like something out of a Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movie where you see the two bodies head to toe and you see how their bodies interact with one another and the camera's doing a dance with them, um, you would have to present things in a very fragmented way, a very cutty way, mm -hmm. um, where the yet, characters are not together. And yet still in, a, in, an, in an intoxicating way, you know, because you still, um, you still are, uh, 
you still are reveling in the music, you know? It's th that, that is still a musical number, you know, to my mind. It's a diegetic musical number, but it's right. a musical number just the same as any of the other numbers in the movie. And, and you let the song play out in full, and you let it build, and you let it end, and you kind of, you, you, you revel in, you have to revel in the, 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 the sort of spectacle of it, you know? Um, but it's, 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 it's from a different movie a little bit, you know? And that's kind of the idea, that it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something that you, know, you can kind of instinctively feel, it's a little out of piece right. in the movie, and that kind of tells you just as much as Emma Stone's face does right. that um, maybe they're going down a path that is not, that is not you know, that, that's going to lead to trouble. Right. I imagine, uh, well, I'm sure you've already done other work, other projects in the pr process of, of doing this, uh, but I have to assume, um, and I know you love a musical, uh, the, the next thing's almost going to seem like a little eliminating dance and song and going back to... What are you talking about? It's another musical. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, there, is, there is something about... Uh, <laughs> There were times times when making this movie, you know, in prep or in or uh, or in editing. I think those were the two hardest phases where I'm just, you know, you start to kind of bang your head against the wall and go, "Oh, I see why they don't make musicals more often." Right. Because <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> it's. I mean, you, but you get a lot of joy out of it too. There's there's potential in the genre that's unlike anything else. That's why I'll always be such a big believer in musicals, uh, the language of musicals. But. Um, but as you say, as you said at the beginning, you know, uh, a lot of stuff can go wrong. I mean, I, I've never, you know, this is the first time I've worked on a movie where it's been so, p the, the, the uh, emotional potential of it is so pure. You know, when you have a scene like uh, A Lovely Night on the Hilltop, you know, at the beginning of the scene, Mia and Sebastian don't like each other. They can't stand each other. And by the end, um, they're about to kiss. So somewhere in between there, through the camera and the choreography and the performances, the dance, um, some cinematic miracle has happened so that you can actually go from point A to B, completely different emotional points. But because of the musical genre and the devices that we're using, somehow it actually makes sense by the time they're about to start, you know, they're about to kiss. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've never experienced in that perfect form before. That's that's where I feel like, you know, we really start to approach the potential of what a musical can do. Mm -hmm. And you guys got to go, but I mean, I think along those lines, um, I think one of the things that's such a treat about this movie is, is that it has been embraced and not in an ironic way mm -hmm. that people are willing to go there because it is, it really is kind of the purest form of, of doing something like that and letting yourself go. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that would have been if I was in your shoes, which you know, I'd be dead if I was. I, that would have been my biggest <laughs> thing going in was, you know, coming at it with such sincerity and and and, and, and worrying about that. Right. But yeah. No, it's yeah, that's its own risk. <laughs> you guys have to go. Um, thank you so much. Uh, best thank of you. luck. Well, you know what? N best of luck with your next project because uh, you know, at this point, uh, you know, you guys have already people are seeing this movie. You've got, I don't know, 35 Oscar nominations, so uh, you don't, no, no best of luck with this one. You've already had it, so. Uh, Thank <laughs> you so much. Thanks, man. Thank you. Take care, guys.